Well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Emmett. I work here at the Enoch Pratt in the Fiction Department. And thank you all for coming. Welcome to Poetry and Conversation. I'm very happy that you've all joined us. Um, before we begin tonight's event, which we're very excited for, um, we want to tell you about a couple other events we have coming up in this series. Um, on Wednesday, October 30th, uh, Reggie Harris and Haley Lighthouser will be here um, for Poetry and Conversation. And then on November 12th, we'll have another Poetry and Conversation event with uh, Elizabeth Spires and Joel Beal. Um, we're also doing a special Poetry and Conversation event in the Pratt Library tent at the Baltimore Book Festival this Sunday at 4. Um, and our readers will be Jane Satterfield and Bruce R. Jacobs. Um, but for tonight, we welcome Joanna Pearson and Megan McShay. Um, Megan and Joanna will each read for about 20 minutes. Um, and before, before that, we'll do some quick introductions. Uh, in between, oh, sorry. So they'll both come up and read. We'll do a quick Q&A, and then they'll read some closing poems afterwards if they are amenable. OK, so first I'll introduce um, Megan, and then Kim can come up and introduce Joanna. Um, so just a, a few words about Megan McShay. Um, she lives in Baltimore and works as an archivist, so we're very happy to have her here at the library. Um, uh, her writing has appeared in Worms Quarterly, Furious Season, and the Shattered Wig Review. And her book, A Mountain City of Toad's Splendor, was published in 2013 by Publishing Genius and is available for purchase after this event. Um, I have been reading this book this week and just wanted to say a couple words about it. Um, first of all, I love the title of this book. I'm sure everyone does. Uh, and it seems to be sort of like a good uh, uh, entrance point to her poetry. It's very surprising. Uh, and this book is one of the most consistently surprising volumes of poetry that I'm familiar with. Um, there's a, a poem early in the book. I don't want to read it in case you were planning to. But uh, it has... Uh, begins with one word, and then each line adds a subsequent word, sort of filling out a phrase. And with each additional word, it sort of requires you to revise your conceptions about previous lines in a very interesting way. So I'll say be you know, prepared and listen carefully. So that's Megan McShay, and uh, Kim will come up and introduce Joanna. Hi, um, I'm Kim from the Humanities Department. Um, and I have been reading some of Joanna Pearson's poetry and enjoying that very much. Um, her first book of poetry, Oldest Mortal Myth, from 2012, received the 2012 Donald Justice Prize. And she's published poems in Best New Poets, Blackbird, Gulf Coast, The New Criterion, and Subtropics. And she's also written a young adult novel, The Rights and Wrongs of Janice Wills and is currently completing a second young adult novel. And she works as a resident physician at Johns Hopkins. And Joanna Pearson brings to her writing exquisite craft, a fine ear, masterful handling of form and verbal ingenuity. With these tools, uh, she examines a number of sometimes familiar and sometimes odd subjects, including mythology, the emergency room, conjoined twins, a sword swallower's wife, Daedalus in a bar, not able to shake off the loss of his son. Or more simply and more complexly, the human heart or a gunshot wound, wound patient becomes the focus of the poem's persistent but gentle examination. Whether writing about emergency room or mythological crises, each poem explores its subject with psychological ingenuity and caringly intricate poetic craft. 
and uh, we will welcome Joanna Pearson um, a bit later in the program. Thank you. Hi. I'm so happy to be here at the library when it's closing <laughs> in the Poe Room. It's great. Um, I do have a library degree, so I'm completely credentialed to be here. Um, I'm going to start with the first piece in my book. Um, and the title of it is sort of a thesis, I think, for some of the writing that I, I was doing when this book came out. It's called the, the Brain is a Pleasure Organ. In a shell, after a rain, cold, bright morning, after a spell, beside likenesses to past women or men, standing, awful and goaded, along a road for passing by, like it's fun, like we stupidly became serious for years and years after dying there in the house, pretending it's hard, happy to pretend. When the warm, after shadows pulled back, when the world spins, when the warm drapes the air and the light pours towards us in a tree, picking leaves, making comparisons, apples and oranges, this, that, smallest sounds churning and churched by light, by afterthoughts, plunging and skimming, finding a level path, a likeness of apparition stands, makes its meaning noises. More words, no God, no more. There it stands, like supper warmed her. Evening closed in again to say again the same words, the same summer, the same spell, over and over, like a lark, wooing, like a mention, murmured in the best time for a moment, for some sordid afterthought, crumbling sight unseen under it all. It was night. But the weightless light spilled over the ridge brings tiny voices, greatness dwindling, a day likened to a mouth, mouthing something about the brain, about the brain being a pleasure organ. Um, so this next one started off as a list. Lists are a great way to get yourself writing if you don't know what to write about. So I wrote a list of, um, thir it turned out to be 13. Uh, I wasn't trying to write 13, but it was 13 things I wouldn't want to do alone. And um, I didn't really like it as a poem, so I just took all the words in that list and I rearranged them, and it became this poem. But I changed, the only thing I changed was um, I didn't use the, the number 13 because I thought everyone would think I was referring to 13 ways of looking at a blackbird really famous poem. <coughs> Actually, my publisher thought that. That's one of so we changed it. Um, so it's called Eleven Irritations That Morning. I want things and beautiful light, a perfectly soft don't. It's my ninth most enormous successful feeling, timed upon an act. Only I got busy and now, gee, I don't remember entering the pleasures and that elation don't scare me. Maybe there wasn't this dangerous surface. Maybe there was just the destination when a trunk full of minutiae that scare me are there and mundane ideas that scare that death refreshment. 
I could bring you until it's dirty again and give you things with sparkling horror. Don't you have a room of culinary experiments that can sort the bathroom holidays? On the street, the recently clean texture of things. To be alone daily makes everyone seem interesting. The next one's called uh, Baltimore Prayer. Precisely this fogged window, which prevails in the cold, wet night, blinks out onto an uninhabited land of other people's houses and in sight of all that forgotten real estate, along with all the amiable conversations on phones across America and evenings shared in movie houses, around the corner from a recent homicide, down the block from wild lots and reeds, great unknowns, colossal, all evolving along with Darwin and his species, one's life assumed to be finite, ticking away. Night covers things up, but you can still hear the rain. Pressure comes from a thousand enemies buried in your heart. You practice fighting them, and then one day, it seems like they're gone. One day, allowing for silences, it breaks. You can prepare. It's like preaching. Ready yourself. Despite my style. I really love grammar a lot. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of things in the book that I'll read tonight that are uh, pure grammar. Um, and this one is called Conditional Clauses. When the police came, after the juicer gave out, before orphans placed fifth, as I thought of them as halibut, if Sophie blanched, where Martha rose on a sudden bright day when its manner was praised as a thick mist plowed the gorge. This one's called A Perfect Bedlam. I wrote it after a friend of mine passed away suddenly. <clears throat> My long field drains the sky of its open, its air darkening with you stretching out in it. You gave us muscles we'd never had before. Then, before we knew it, it was gone, became dreams tickled by ringing tones and waving birdsong light. How is it out there with you? A fog blender's got my back, luckily. A toffee, a tart, a perfect bedlam. A hose splits. It's like a fountain in this brackish lake, my day. Every animate thing becomes you, and you animate every inanimate thing. We keep breathing because it's like that living. We keep breathing, but wanting to be with you again has got us all preparing for the first time to stop. We're making rich, beautiful allegories of our breathing by way of apology as long as we're here succumbing to life. We tell ourselves we're getting there, but this faith is a man-made thing. A hallelujah with its tender alouetta ice, its elegant metals, and its light machines. Um... 
I'll read the other grammar one. It's a two-section poem called Components. The first section's called Quality Phrases. Taken by surprise against all reason, a relation of tenuous bonds felt historically, schemes shattered without consideration, made credible by their seclusion from weather's arbitrary influence. And part two is called Compound Statements. If possibilities are endless, bring me the fatted calf. If I harrow you in endless dreams, cut me off after two drinks. I like the thought of you eating yogurt. My supreme taste buds will one day rule the world ruthlessly. Suppression breeds extortion, which goes perfectly with your eyes. Um... See here. Um, there's a few things that aren't in the book that I've written since the book came out. Um, uh, it's called Breakthrough. When stinging insects have breakthroughs, it's an arbitrary measure of your love of hunting and the smells in a sun-warmed meadow. The insect's inclination is entirely connected to other insects of its kind, so breakthroughs are unsupported, in other words, instantly absorbed by the hive. We played Yahtzee unaware this little stinger bug broke every rule in its stinger bug book, flying wide of water while it raced that floating cottony seed to the ground. There we found it, diverging from its duties on its back, pretending to be the mind of a king, counting acres and maids as it drowned at a bend in the creek. When the policeman passed, he was so startled he forgot the tattered cuffs hiding in his hems and the broken sole dangling in his syrup, stirrup. Yahtzee, we cried. So, like, when the library closes, I imagine all the books, like, get down and have a party. But they probably won't do it while we're here, which is a bummer. Um... <clears throat> I have a series of poems uh, called How to Have a Day. Um, I read a lot in the morning, and um, I, uh, I'm often wondering how to have the day that I've just woken to, I guess. Um, so anyway, here's one of them. How to Have a Day. Calculated, lingering, a place to rest, trees nearby, nearly still, then a slow sway in the breeze and a huge evening all of a sudden. Cue the birds. A cackle in the dark air. Fireworks somewhere. I wished for a cannon. Later, bathing, the architecture of suds reminded me of us, how changeable it was. Watched some birds fighting or mating. I don't know where they are now. She said, you can see everything you need to from there. Summer paraded across the weeks. Days sank into the soft earth. 
We sorted the debris into piles. Things fell apart and we rigged them up with clamps. Entire city blocks of explanations. Months of ideas, cord, discord, foolish disaster planning backlit by the force of meats, their tangy notes amplified by our acids. I took a seat in the public room of gentle thrills. We sat in a bubble of candor. What to do with this humid air, this alonement, enamored and moored? Imagine soaking in a perfect axiom for your ailing heart. Imagine a cushioned alley for laying your thoughts to rest, a vault for putting all claims upon you in a deep freeze, inert. Now have a day. So I think I'll stop for now. Thank you so much for listening. hear me okay? Is that good? Um, Thank you so much for having um, us here. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm happy to get to read with Megan and get to kind of discover her work and I don't know, I I love the Enoch Pratt Library so it's it's, it's kind of an honor to be reading under um, the portrait of that guy. Um, So maybe I will start with, I'm actually going to start with a poem that is sort of about a news item, which I don't, I don't often write about that, but I'll ask you guys, do you guys remember, I can't even remember what, if this was 2010, 2011, or even 2012 now, but do you remember when in Ohio there was a guy and he kept all these exotic animals and then it was this terrible news story and he released all the, you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, I've, okay. That's that's what I want you to have in your mind. That's kind of what this poem is about. Imagine this. Not gunshots. Not the ending. But the giraffe's blue-gray blade of tongue nipping Ohio air. Its neck a strung bow bending out the rusted gate. That damp lung of hillside exhaling fur and scat and rain, while the sulky tigers paw a muscular ballet along the glistening stripe of motorway. The jabbering monkey thumbs a soda can, and the black bear trundles nowhere in particular, eyes catching in the headlights of a car. Imagine the first stunned moment of opened cage, that ripple of sudden animal joy, like rage. Not the moment quiet death appeared. Not the lion asleep on his wet beard. Okay, sorry. We get to stay here. Um, so I, I do write, as, as Kim, thank you for your lovely introduction too, which is so, so on point. Um, I do write some about myth, uh, mainly because I like it. I think it's interesting. Um, 
And at the risk of seeming like I'm giving you guys a pop quiz and asking you, do you know this? Do you know that? Do you guys know the myth about Lita, Lita and the Swan? Some nods. One nod. So um, just in case, just in case. So basically, you know, in the world of Greek, Greco-Roman mythology, if you were Zeus and you basically saw a pretty lady, you just could like transform into an animal and have your way. So that's Leda and the Swan is one of one of many such stories, which um, are actually kind of appalling when you think about it. But um, in any case, so I I have written a poem about about that myth or kind of with that myth as a starting point. In the most beautiful rape story. He comes as a swan. Above her, wings beat hard, spreading the scent of muck and lake. Then there's a parting squawk, arc of his neck almost apologetic as he takes off. But in the worst, and this will always be the case, she is shivering and has your little sister's face, an old pillow pressed into her mouth, Musty taste of feathers, mildewed heat, choking cough. No longer do they break with gravity. No lift, no odd consoling courtesy. Nor do they feign the half-shyness of those who metamorphose for cloaked purposes, yet still take the shapes, the dark prerogatives of gods. That's usually the poem that I start with, and I've been told that's a terrible poem to start with. So um, I, I put it second um, tonight to see if that if that works better. Um, what will I read to you now? I think I'm actually going to read a poem that's not in the book because I thought that uh, I thought that Kim, I thought you asked a very very smart question about it, or a question that I really appreciated. Um, and that question was, uh, why did you write this poem as a sonnet? So that's sort of the spoiler. This is written in a received form of a sonnet. Um, so I have an answer to that, but maybe I'll read it to you guys, and, and you can see if you agree that it's the right container for this poem. Um, this poem is called The Arsonists in Love. We lusted after luster, lit our fill of itchy matches, loosed a quickening blaze to pop and flicker, lapping up the spill of iridescent fuel. We'd trace the craze of glass, testing the give of beam and joist as lintels warped to wishbones. When they cracked, we made a wish for radiance, rejoiced while walls collapsed. It was a flagrant act to burn the place we lived, as if we'd spare some light for later. As if we could make love destroy itself, then make its own repair. As if the blotting shape that loomed above us molting blackened feathers were a bird, and not the darkness we had now incurred. Um...
So I'm a, I'm a very cheerful person ordinarily, despite all these kind of like uh, grim, grim poems that I'm reading you now. Um, but again, I guess we're in the Poe room, so I guess it, it's, it's probably okay. Um, let me read you some nicer ones, though. How about that? Um, this is a poem called Animal Afterlives. They were right, the ancient dreamers, to tell myths around the hunting fires, dream on bits of smoked meat their secret names, and animals their ancestors became, then chalk outlines of elk or eagles in their caverns. For I've seen it here in modern podunk western North Carolina, take my great-grandmother, with a trailer full of tufted cockatiels, she was all bird squawk, gnarled talons, and white fluffed hair herself. Blinking small dark eyes, she'd cock her near-deaf head, homing in on twelve-cent figurines, her world of salt shakers and prayers on china plates. Plastic friends from the nativity and a few reindeer waited yardside year-round. Days spent pecking through coupons and Cheetos, aviary shit and seed hulls, all revolved into one seasonless season. The gold god voice of the home shopping channel warbled at a constant pitch above the beaked chatter. And I declare she was a feathered terror, wobbling on her skinny, scaly legs, screeching and ataxic in her nightgown. Surely she titters somewhere now, a perfect mimic who never left this world, flittering near soda cans and shopping center shrubs, raised into an afterlife of birds. How are you guys feeling? Good? Uh, are you feeling like more kind of gloomy and autumnal or are you feeling more happy and what was that she's happy somebody said happy okay I can't do I can't do very much for you there but um uh, I shouldn't have asked <laughs> yeah um so happy all right let's go with that um that's a tough one Oh, here's sort of a happy one. Here's, here's a nice happy one. It's kind of happy. Um, it's about a wedding. Weddings are happy, right? Uh, this is called October Inlet Wedding. Leaf-gilded salt air closed around the porch, where we all sat in rows of folding chairs, waiting for our friend, the sheepish bride, who hated all things bridal, but had said this would simplify her health insurance. Now she stood with flowers in her hair, an oyster-colored dress her mom had altered, and tears streaming the gullies of her face. The skinny, bearded groom rocked on his heels, aching with a smile, while all the birds lifted like an afghan off the grass. They clustered and rewove into the trees, their feathers charcoal dark, their small throats were resonant, discordant, 
set to caw and fluster brush throughout the ceremony. The Rinta preacher droned. One sister spoke. The little, shuffling, half-deaf daddy read words none of us could hear, and yet we clapped. While late mosquitoes bit our arms and knees, red chiggers and noceums climbed our legs. When they forgot and fell into each other to kiss, the ebb in their self-consciousness enveloped in the gloaming, bugs and birds, those workaday swamp mutterers, their plain song. Um, that's, that's a little, that's about as happy as, <laughs> that's about as happy as it gets. Um, let's see, so maybe I should read a couple more, I think, if I'm looking at this clock. Um, are you guys still feeling happy, or shall I move in a different direction? Um, let's see. How about... Oh, I know what I'm going to read to you. Um, this, this poem is, is a special request of a person who didn't actually come tonight, so I'm sure she wanted to be here, but I'll read it, I'll read it for her. Um, this is called The Sword Swallower's Wife. Soup spoon, drumstick, pool cue. His urge began one day out of the blue, as all desires to test the body do. He popped his neck. He no longer touched me the way he used to. I found him gagging on the broom handle. They say you must be patient, entice your man back to you with old-fashioned lingerie of ruched satin, cook for him the way his mother once did, add a little spice to the bedroom ritual, play peekaboo. But he grew hoarse. There were no carrots left for the roast beef. Even the curtain rod was slimy. There was an occasional facade of romance, him sucking my spidery fingers, but slowly, for much too long, of course. I caressed the bulb of his larynx. Watch, he said. I hate this, I whispered, turning from the blade. Um, I'm sure that's not what it's like, but we can all be glad we're not married to a sword swallower, I guess. Um, or maybe you are, and that is great, too. Um, <laughs> so maybe, uh, actually, maybe I'll stop there. I think that's, I think that has been, that's been a little bit of poem reading. Um, thank you, thank you guys again. Thank you both so much. That was wonderful. Um, and now we'll turn it over to you guys if you have any questions you'd like to ask uh, either or both of our poets. And I'll say uh, we are trying to record this uh, for a podcast to go up on our on our website. So if you wouldn't mind grabbing the mic over there if you want to ask a question. Um, but I'll actually ask a question to start it off. Um, this is for both of you. Um, I was wondering uh, if there are... Um, I guess whose uh, whose work do you see your own as being in conversation with? Like, who do you think you're responding to? Um, yeah, I'll just leave it there. It's mm, a hard question. It is. <laughs> Take it away, Megan. Um, well, I think the first poet I read that I got excited about um, was Walt Whitman, mm-hmm. and um, the you know, ecstatic tradition in, you know, 
in American poetry is something that I kind of followed unwittingly, like not really. And then I got into the New York School sort of writers, and especially Frank O'Hara. Um, and um, uh, at the same time, I was also influenced by um, writers and musicians, lyricists who um, really, really had a lot of freedom and play in their language. Um, Laurie Anderson was a really big influence, and Beck, Beck Hansen. Um, so, um, maybe it's emerging there. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I feel the same way. I think, I guess you always hope that you're in conversation on some level with the people that were formative for you. So I think um, for me, those people would have been, you know, as an undergraduate, um, I was very taken actually with both, both Yates and Seamus Heaney, who recently passed away. And so um, for a while there, I was very pulled into kind of... Um, contemporary Irish poets. Um, I, I like good old Elizabeth Bishop. Um, you know, more recently, I really, I really like um, A.E. Stallings' works. She's, uh, she's, not, she's kind of living right now and writing. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that I'm missing that's important. I think, I think those, are some of the, those are some of the main ones. Yeah. If anyone else has questions, I'll keep going. Um, I guess, um, Megan, you mentioned you write a lot uh, in the mornings, and you also gave us some insight into sort of your um, methods of composition with your sort of writing a list and then jumbling up and sort of collaging your words. I guess, could you both talk about sort of the way, like how you, how you start to write a poem and sort of what um, methods you use in, 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 in writing poetry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> um, I I like the idea of starting with a list and jumbling it up, and I think I may try that. It sounds it, that sounds as good as any way of starting that I've found. Um, that's a hard question to answer. Um, sometimes, if if I'm lucky, I do get a a starting line in my head, and that and that's wonderful when that happens, and you kind of have that line every now and then I, I kind of know where I kind of wanted to snap shut at the end and I know I know the landing place and like that's where I want to get um, but oftentimes it's I start with sort of an image or idea in, that's that I'm taken with and I kind of go from there and I don't really know how it happens in fact that's probably why it hasn't been happening too much recently but uh, yeah that's Um, yeah, I never know where I'm going when I sit down to write, and I, I, I try sometimes to write about something in particular, and it never works out. Um, so I find that it's, it's just a lot more fun for me to start with just language, just words, and something, you know, just, just start, and eventually, if you're lucky, you get some traction, you know. Mm -hmm and something resonates and it pulls you into this poem, you know, that's unfolding before you, you know. Um, that makes it sound like it's like totally automatic, which isn't quite right either, but 
But I also, yeah, I really like to do sort of exercises, and I've also done a lot of collaboration with other writers, um, just doing writing games. Um, and uh, it's a really great way to um, overcome the fear of the blank page, because it it's kind of takes some of the pressure away from, um, you know, being authorial. Um, so the um, jumbling up words is one that it's it's an easy one. Um, acrostics are really good. Just take a phrase out of something that you're reading and write it vertically, and then write a line using those letters. Things like that. It's just a great way to get started. I'm kind of treading along, listening, and there's a lot that remains to be seen. So it has a lot of awkward. Your presentation recital was based on. But what is your index of goals and accomplishment? Is it passion, success, monetary, noble? What are you seeking? Ah, just, just, that's just, just, that's a donation question. Okay. Because he said if we had questions. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Do you one day want to win a Nobel? Is it just your passion? Of course I do. <laughs> Training and success. Uh, I mean, because you are published. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that and a I question for my ear? Mm -hmm. um, you know, for whatever. Well, I write for pleasure. Plus passion. Yeah. Um, because sometimes your passion becomes so competitive, one day someone says, she's great, give her a Nobel. It just comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Because somebody studied all the context and it leads to other links. And mm -hmm. that's how we have um, media, cultures, poets, musicology. Mm -hmm. I'm just listening. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm just treading along it. That was just my question, you know, because it's really good what you're saying. Thank you. It's so nice to have an active listener, you know, like you in the room. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of you well, are as well. Sometimes we get a lot of notoriety, and the public is sometimes going to become overwhelmed so you want to see a certain category success and keep it a certain level of momentum, and etc. I don't think about success a whole lot. I mean, I, I mean, I guess we all have to define that. In fact, I have a poem about success. Maybe I'll read it at the end. Um, <laughs> but for me, like, I wrote by myself in my room for myself for like ten years before I ever really showed it to anybody. And it was really just something that felt good to do. Like some people like to jog, you know, <laughs> to feel good. Um, and so, and I think that is a perfectly legitimate thing to do. I mean, we're free to do that, you know. And when I moved to Baltimore, I found all these writers who were interested in what I was writing, which kind of really surprised me. You know, it wasn't something that I foresaw. Yeah. So I found this community, and then the community became right. this being is a one participating in communities. Another big. This is one of the most historical, vibrating places mm -hmm. of emphasis when it comes to that type of. Fame and writing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most famous libraries in the country. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm just kind of hearing you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anyone else? Have 
Well, um, this is one for the doctor. Um, do you, is the impetus for what you write ever related to the patients that you see? And I'm asking you that for the sake of Gertrude Stein, mm. um, thinking of three lives, which is somewhat based upon patients that mm-hmm. she saw as a medical student. Mm-hmm. No, good, good question. Um, so... I hope it's not a cheating answer to say yes and and no. Um, you know, on on one hand, I, I should say I have the utmost respect for people's privacy and sort of the you know the kind of you know people's experiences are sacred. I think, and it's, I think particularly in that context, that kind of trust and that intimacy that you have, um, I would never want to beyond just kind of like the legal rules and things like that. I don't know. I just, I would feel really icky about violating that and kind of like being a story harvester. At the same time though, I think inevitably you're shaped by what you're around. You're moved by people's stories. You, you bring together bits and pieces of what you've seen other people go through and that may trigger, you know, some idea. This is a very vague way of saying, I think in a, in a very, very filtered down way, I think I am certainly influenced by it, but it's never kind of a direct one-to-one type of thing. Megan, is there a difference between product and process? They have a different duration. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, the, the process is. I would say the process is something that I, you know, figure out as I go along, and I, 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 I produce something out of it, and the product is something that I can share, you know. Um, I don't as often share the process. <laughs> That's an answer. <laughs> All right, well, if there are no more questions, we might uh, have a little bit more poetry if you guys are willing. Um, I guess you can come back up here or read, read seated where you are, but um, yeah, take it away. Thanks for your question. So um, you might find this a little unsatisfying, the uh, person who asked me about success, but (laughs) this is my poem about success. Her dumb plan marred her argument. It was only effort against failure. When success arose from its ugly sockets, it sidled up and agreed completely. Later, she spoke only of its wild hair. And then this is another little short one. Um, this is a this is a poem about uh, sort of about my creative process. So. It's called "Making It." 
I pretty much get it in there on a plinth in its pretty little box and get it all lit up in there with its business all broken and faceted. Then I make it stay with soups and plumage, a little knob concoction for its spinning slow there, just barely, but for the light, how it glints in it. Then I sort it, outbound for solid downs and arrangement of sounds that generates ample instructions. I make space for figurines like these, and friendly networks emerge in a regular spawning of sample dances, itch triggers, and honest-to-goodness speech routines. There are hawks that make this easy and hawks that make this hard. We are all storing up breaks for our brand new futures, and we are all very sorry about the wait. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> so maybe I'll read one more medium size one. Uh, this is called Communion. How not unlike communion was first love. You and I in the church kitchen, Sunday donuts, a dove etched in our hymnals. You revered the law like God, so we were hesitant when touching. We saw each other's nakedness and knew we'd only go so far, splayed diagonals of limbs forming a fleshy star. One time, for a joke, you took the blessed econo jug of leftover Concord grape, sad and store-bought. Smug, you drank, then wiped your mouth, carnivorous, blood-stained. Still, I took a swig. It tasted ordinary. That explained it all. The crumbs of love were also small, denial and restraint. You held one hand up like an old world saint, bowed your head, leaned closer to bestow a kiss like the Almighty, who cannot be told no. Thank you guys very much. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming. Um, we have books for sale um, at the back table, and um, we have uh, refreshments you're welcome to enjoy. Please help yourself and stay and um, chat more with the poets and which, with each other. And there are also evaluation forms on the table and some flyers for upcoming uh, poetry events, and we also have an email list if you'd like to hear about uh, future poetry readings. And finally, um, if you're looking for poetry books, um, books about writing poetry, please visit the Humanities Department on the third floor, um, just one floor up from here. And thank you again, Joanna and Megan.